I'm really excited about this uh, first series we're going to be doing for weeks called Elevate. And it's this question about what are some things as followers of Jesus that, that we might do okay, but we could do better. You know what I mean? Like, and there's just some things I've, that seem like they just set as these principles of the Christian faith that go out. I know like the foundations class will be about doctrine and, and why we believe what we believe and stuff. And so, so is the, the story in some way. But sometimes we get that stuff right, but then this kind of practical application of Christianity, we just don't quite get it. You know what I mean? We, we just kind of whiff, maybe, you know, like a you swing and you whiff at the, at the ball. Um, and so we're going to talk about a few things over the next four weeks. Not specific, maybe, but that we could do a little better. There's the thought, all right? So how we can maybe elevate our following of Jesus or, or elevate, um, rise to the level of Christ. I love the passage that says that we will always grow up into him who is the head, that we will rise up into Christ, our Savior. And that is the call as a Christian um, following Jesus. And so uh, we're going to... We're going to do that um, together. Uh, so something else to think about as we go into this is some of these things might not be huge, okay? Because sometimes, especially this time of the year, we start talking about life change. And I don't know if you've noticed, but all the TV stuff has gone to like workout DVDs. Have you noticed that happening? If you watch a lot of TV, you know, it's like weight systems are for sale again all of a sudden. You know, like they literally, this is the season to market change. Um, and, and usually it lasts until about the second week of January, and then we all quit. <laughs> and, uh, we, but, you know, what if the change wasn't some momentum, momentous huge thing, like I'm going to make this giant change for Jesus. But maybe if, what if it was these little things that we could look at and we could go, you know, if, if I make a small decision consistently, it could really transform my relationship with others, my following of Jesus. Instead of making some great big promise, what I'm going to do if I could just do a few things better i become a better follower of Jesus. I'd be um, a better uh, friend to those who are around me, a better witness um, to those who are in the world with us. And uh, that's kind of the idea is what if we can make these small, consistent changes over time? Um, so the first thing I'm going to talk about in this series is, is conversations. And I'm, I'm amazed when I look at Scripture how much the Bible talks about the way we speak to one another right? If you've read scripture at all, you'll know that there's many, many places in scripture where we're given ex ex explicit instructions on how we're to, you know, converse, how we're to engage, how we're to talk to one another, how we're to reach out to one another. And so we're going to spend some time talking about that today. The elevating conversation, okay? Just raising it to the next level. Kind of our key verse is in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. I'm going to read it. You don't have to look there if you don't want to right now. We're going to go back to it later. But this is what the Apostle Paul writes to the church. He says, Instead, speaking truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. Instead, speaking the truth in love, Paul says to the church. Please join me in prayer as we enter into the word that God would uh, teach us today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come here and gather and to worship you. We thank you for the opportunity. To, we have to know you through your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the, your Holy Spirit that is, that is implanted in us and, and working out righteousness from the inside out in our lives. And today, Father, we, we pray that we could be attentive to his teaching, uh, that we could know you more fully through the, uh, the prompting and the instruction of the Holy Spirit, and that we would be obedient to that in our lives, whatever the, the things are 
and Father, I know all my friends are here and I come and they don't know all my stuff and I don't know their stuff, but you know all of our stuff. And so today I pray that uh, your word would really um, infiltrate our hearts in those areas where we need to hear it. I pray that for myself and I pray that for all those gathered here and, and that we would leave this place and we would, we would be better followers of yours because you've ministered to us, because you've taught us your wisdom. Uh, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to know you and to love you, to serve you, and to follow you. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I told you that was our key verse. By the way, let's do something real fun, just to, you know, um, let's say that together. Are you ready? Participation? We're going to say this verse. Instead, speaking the truth in love. That's only part of the verse, but that's what we're going to say. Are you ready? Instead, speaking the truth in love. That's a pretty easy thing to remember, isn't it? That little bit of the scripture, instead, speaking the truth in love. Like, almost all of us could memorize that if we wanted to. Um, we're actually going to turn to the, the book of James. Uh, oops, I'm a couple behind here. And uh, let's see if I did it. Yeah. So we're going to look at James chapter 3. Because you might go, well, what's the big deal with how I speak? Or what does it matter how I, how I communicate with people around me? What, what does, I told you the Bible's filled with um, teaching on this. But there's a couple of places I wanted to point out to you this morning. And the first comes in, in the epistle of James, or the letter of James to the church. Um, and this is in... Um, Chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 6, even though I know it's, the screens say 1 through 12. We're going to cover all that in a minute. But we're going to start in verse 6. So I want to talk about this idea of the glossa, the language or the tongue, and the power that the Bible says the tongue has in our lives. So we're going to look at verse 6. Look with me if you would. Um, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among parts of the body. The tongue corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire. And it is itself set on fire by hell. Huh? That's a crazy verse of scripture about the tongue. About the things that we say. That the tongue itself is a fire. You may have heard that before. You know, this idea that, um, you know, it's a fire starter. It's, it's, uh, it can change things. But beyond that, a world of evil is in the tongue, the Bible says. A world of evil, right? And literally, it's, it's this cosmos, it's a universe of suffering. That's what the word means. It means that the things that we say can create a world of pain. I don't know if you ever heard that saying when we were kids, you know, like, sticks and, what is it? Uh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That is not what the Bible says at all. The Bible says your tongue is like a fire, and it could set the whole world on fire, right? It, it can create a, a world of suffering and pain. The way we use our words, the way we choose to speak, changes things. Uh, you read right there, it says that it sets the course of your life on fire. The course of your life. And I think, well, that's a strange thing. Like, wh what does it mean? The, the way of your life will just be set on fire by your tongue. And it's like, well, what does that mean? But... Paul, or uh, James here, and many times in Scripture we have these kind of analogies to runners, to running a course, and that's what the idea is. It's like this path that you're, you're running around as a her person. This is a life journey you're on. You're, you're a track and field person, and it says the things you say can turn the entire course you're running into fire, which I don't know if, if you think that'd be a good thing. I don't think they mean it in a good way, right? 
Like, it would be miserable. You can make yourself miserable with what you say. Now, maybe you're not like me, and maybe you have no problem with this. You know what I mean? Maybe you're like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't have any problems. But I, I know from my own experience in my life, there are times that I cause suffering of myself and others because of what I choose to say or how I choose to say it. Anybody have that experience? You know, there are times that no matter how much you want to say or the right thing, I'll say say or do, but let's just go for say the right things, it just doesn't come out the way you'd hoped it came out. And all of a sudden, your whole world's on fire. Everything is burning around you. And then, as if that wasn't um, the... Uh, the whole idea, it, it, it sparks passion in people. And by the way, let me just say, and I know some of you are biblical scholars, you're going, now wait a minute, Bill. The first thing it says is not many of you should presume to teach. This instruction is for teachers. And that's true. It's in verse 1, but it's also for the whole church. This letter is written to the church, and it's saying, you know, what you say matters, that, that your tongue is a source of, of um, can be a source of evil. Interesting that the, the tongue sparks great passion, right? And I think that's a warning that seems directed toward teachers. We, we can create great passion in people for all kinds of things that aren't necessarily Jesus or the gospel or of God. So, but it can spark this great fire, right? Um, but then it has this effect of, of, of creating uh, um, this burning track and interesting, one other thought I want to give to this, right, is I don't know if you think that God has set a course for you to run in your life. Um, but that's what this implies, too. It's not just like a, any old track. It's like the path that God has laid before you in your life, you're, it's called a birthright in Scripture, right? It's the purpose for which you were born. That journey, that God-oriented journey can be set on fire by the evil of your tongue. And then lest there be any doubt that this is a, a super serious thing um, that uh, he's talking about, he says, in fact, the tongue is set on fire by hell. Right? It's, it's in your Bibles. Uh, we read it. Verse 6, it sets the whole course of his life on fire after it corrupted the person, and it itself is set on fire by hell. This is Gehenna, right? Um, Gehenna was a valley, and it was one of the markers of Israel, I think the tribe of Judah. But it was a place that was known to be evil. It was a place where the, the children were offered to the flames. Um, but it's this place where Jesus says, you'll be cast into the place where there's gnashing of teeth and fire. He, that's what he refers to as Gehenna, this place of suffering. And he says that, that, that's the place that, that has a tendency to light our tongues. I don't know if that blows you away or not. That blows me away. You know, I'm one of those guys that's like, actions speak louder than words, you know. Um, I'm one of those guys that says, you know, how bad can it, you know, I mean, just follow me, do what I, don't, you know, don't talk to what I talk or whatever. But the, it, the Bible says, no, this very small part of your body, and all of you have one, it, it directs your path. It changes where you're going. It changes your experience 
of what God has for you. I, I, was, I was blown away by that, that it's set on fire um, by hell. I, I just want to say something here about this idea of hell and Gehenna. It's not God's plan for you. You know what I mean? It's, it's, never, it's never been like, and you're going to hell because that's what I, what I want for you, you know? It's like this, Jesus says, if you don't do these things, you're going to go to hell. And, and the, the tongue is set on fire by this place that's outside of the bounds of God's plan for us, right? All of a sudden, I go, wait a minute. It's a really big deal that I'd be able to control my tongue. It's a really big deal. Um, and again, I don't know if you guys struggle with that or not, man. Uh, I know many people do. I, I know many people do. Do you ever have those experiences where as soon as you say the words, you wish you could take them back? You know what I mean? As soon as it's out of your mouth, you wish you could just rewind. But you can't. It's out there. The damage is done. The fire has started. And your, your life has not elevated. It's not gone to a better place, but it's, it's kind of going down. Again, the idea of cyclical patterns running around this track on fire. So, so that's what uh, James says. Now, before we move off of this passage, um, I want to go back a little bit and, and talk about the other things that James says of the tongue. He says it's also a fire, but he says two other things. He says um, the tongue is like um, uh, a, a horse with a bridle, right? It can turn the whole animal. Do you see that? When, in verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses, we make them obey us. We can turn the entire animal with a, a small piece. Have you ever thought about that before? I've never really thought about that before. I'm not a horse guy. I'm not a horse guy. But isn't it crazy? You can take this ginormous animal, and you put this little piece of metal in its mouth, and you can steer it. That's kind of ridiculous. Like, Paul says, or I keep saying that, um, James, I blame Paul for all the New Testament, it seems, for the Gospels. Uh, James says that's the way we can steer our life with our tongue, right? So he's not completely hopeless here. I want to start with the hell thing because that's really scary to me, that, that, that's, that, that's our potential. But he says that you can turn the entire animal. Or he gives another example, take ships as an example. Although they're huge and are driven by strong winds or huge motors, right? They are steered with a very small rudder. Yeah, he's saying, wait a minute, there's something going on with our tongue that can drive our life. It can redirect, or I will say it can elevate our life. It can elevate our following of Jesus. It can elevate our relationships, the way we speak. Um, so this, this idea that um, we have it. Now, in, well, one last thing I want to share from this passage um, is in verse 2. It says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. Now, I want to say a couple of things. We, we, I'm not saying we're called to be perfect, but he says that if we were able to keep our tongue in check, if we were able to keep, control our tongue, our whole body would be kept right. I don't know, that, that's amazing to me. So all of a sudden, not, not only does it have this power to destroy, to burn, to pillage, to cause suffering and, and angst and all these evil in the world, but it has this potential to right the ship, to redirect our course, to set us on the right path, to steer our lives, 
It, it can change everything. So as much as there's a great danger, there's also a great promise or a great hope that we have in our language, in our conversation. Perfecting our conversation then, or perfecting, I keep saying conversation, but how we engage with one another can direct our lives toward the perfection that is Christ. It can redirect our lives and how we talk with one another. I want to share another passage with you, and you can turn there as well. It's in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. Um, and, oh, you can, I got it on the screens. I forgot I did that for you. <laughs> um, and so we're going to just listen to a couple verses out of this. You can turn there if you want, though. Your Bible should be the same as what's on the screens. Um, Matthew 15, starting in verse 10. But this is Jesus, and he's teaching. And again, um, he, the, he's talking about a different context of what's happening. He's talking about, there's some accusations about um, some law not being followed, you know, by the disciples. They aren't doing the right things. They aren't performing the right cleanliness acts when they're eating. But Jesus takes this opportunity to teach on uh, what makes a man corrupt, what, what makes a man uh, sinful or evil. Um, and it's really striking as well. So we're going to look at verses 10 and 11, and then we're gonna, uh, I'll push ahead and we'll look at 16 and on. Um, Jesus called a crowd to him then, and he said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth... That is what makes him unclean, right? So he, he refutes this argument that it's what you put in your mouth that makes you unclean. But he says, it is the things that you say that will make you unclean. It is the things that you speak with your mouth that will make you unclean. Again, that, that's amazing to me. Uh, what comes out of his mouth is what makes them unclean. And this is a teaching from Jesus himself. So anytime, I'm, I'm listening. I mean, the, the Bible's inspired by God, but I'm listening, Jesus. So it's not about external righteousness. It's not about following the law. It's about things that are coming out of my mouth. I ought to be paying attention to those things, right? To drive the point home, we're going to pick up in verse 16. There are some other things in between you can read. I'm not trying to avoid them. Oops. But I do want you to see... Can we go back and... See? Is there a, nope. Okay. <laughs> this is a great line from Jesus. Are you still so dull, he says. By the way, they ask, can you explain this to us? Peter did. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked, answered. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and out of the body? Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but he's saying when you eat something, you get rid of it. That's what he said. He's like, are you that dense? What you put in your mouth, don't make you dirty because it just goes out. That's the end of it, Okay. So that's enough about that. But then the next thing he says is he expounds on this idea of what makes a person unclean. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. And then, to drive the point home, Jesus articulates a few of the things that come out of a man's heart. Or a woman's heart, by the way. This isn't pointed at men, right? Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what makes a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Jesus articulates this list of things that comes out of a man's heart. And he says, this is what makes us unclean. This is, by the way, this is why we need a heart change from Christ. This is why we need the gospel in our lives. This is why we need the Holy Spirit warring for our righteousness. Because this stuff is in us, coming out. 
And these are the things. Evil thoughts, right? Come out of your mouth, out of your heart. Murder comes out of your heart and out of your mouth. And I go, what? Murder? You don't murder somebody with your mouth, do you? It comes from your mouth. Adultery. Adulterous relationships comes out of your mouth? How does that even happen? Sexual immorality or theft. False testimony, that would make sense. Of course, false testimony comes out of your mouth, but it's coming out of your heart. Or slander, that makes sense. But some of these things, I'm like, well, now, wait a minute, Jesus, like, how, does, how does a murder, you know? And I don't, I don't think it's like a philosophical idea. I don't think it's like you murder a brother by talking bad about them. Or I think you literally start to vocalize these ideas, the evil that's in our heart you know what, I'm, I've had enough of this due to this lady, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And you hear the words, you say the words, just to believe the words. And all of a sudden, your entire ship, I, I was amazed. I was um, looking into some random stuff, as I usually have a tendency to do, but this idea of people end up in place in their life, and they're like, I don't know how I got here. I, 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 didn't, I never planned for this. Um, there was a great uh, Johnny Cash song called Bring a Fire. Uh, it's about love. It's a burning flame. <laughs> yeah. But there's another song where he was talking about this idea that um, everyone needs a second chance. Like if everyone, if, if they could go back and do it over, they, would, they wouldn't want to do the same things because they made choices or decisions. They've, they've done some things with their, and it, every time it's, it almost, you watch it, it, it comes from our mouth. They're going to speak Adultery comes from our mouth. How does that happen? Well, you know, if my husband was blah, 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 if my wife was a little more like so-and-so, talking to, hey, you and I got a lot in common. I like my old lady. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, your whole life starts to take this ungodly turn. Ugh. What would it matter, Jesus says? All these things come from inside of a man or a woman. All these things, desiring what people have, lying about other people, slandering someone else to feel better about yourself. Man, all this stuff is, is in our mouth. It's in our heart, and it's evil, Jesus says. It's evil. Huh. So we see that there's bad. That's bad, 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 right? And, but I don't want to, I want to talk today about then what can we actually do, right? Um, to, to thwart that, to, to obey what scripture says and to do different, to elevate our conversation, elevate our language, elevate our words. Um, so there's a few things that I want to talk about that I think that the Bible very practically teaches. Uh, and the first is, uh, Instead, this is our key verse, what? Speaking the truth in love. I'm going to walk those out a few times with us and how maybe that can change things in our life if we would do it, if we would only have the courage to speak the truth in love instead of what we always tend to do, which is not speak the truth in love or do something else. Um, so the first thing, and this doesn't come from Ephesians, but I'm going to sh show you this kind of idea that Scripture has, which is beautiful, is that we always want to go directly to others. We always want to go directly to others, right? I can't, I can tell you it's often a, a temptation in my life, maybe in yours, 
to go around the issue. You know what I mean? I have a problem with somebody, and I go over here and talk to this person about it instead because I'm just afraid to talk to that person directly about it. So I go over here and have a conversation. Um, or I, I want uh, something from someone, but I don't just come out and go directly to them and, and ask them what I want from them, but I kind of uh, uh, put hints out there what I would like to have you know what I mean? Uh, wouldn't it be nice if someone cared enough about me to fill in the blank and then stand there and wait for someone to, instead of saying, hey, will you come help me move? Or will you come help me, you know, uh, help me get some groceries? Or I don't know what it is, you know, help me, uh, whatever you need in your life. What, uh, what else? Um, oh, see, I, I can't get off on this tangent. I can't get off on this tangent. <laughs> but... Uh, I kind of call it phishing. Um, I'm not going to be mean about Facebook, but I've kind of quit because um, I have a lot of people that kind of put things out there that they, they kind of dangle them. You have that? Just waiting to get a rise or a response out of you. And I get aggravated myself because I, I don't want to take the bait, but I usually take the bait and I'm like, oh, why do I take the bait? So I'm trying to, because I don't think that's not direct communication, is it? Posting something for the whole world to see, to wait and... Who responds? The Bible says go directly to people when you have a problem, when you have a request, when you have a... a, a. And I think the whole world can do what it wants. But as believers in Christ, we ought to do what the Bible says. You know what I mean? Like everyone else can do whatever, but as a follower of Jesus, I want to do what the Bible says myself. And I'm not saying this as someone who does it well. So this is a journey for all of us, okay? But to go directly um, to to one another when we have... Uh, um, something to say. Uh, all right. A couple of places we find this in Scripture. The first is um, in Matthew 18. It's the classic place where we've, we're told to go directly to a brother or sister, right? Um, and you can turn if you want. Um, you don't have to, though. But it's, it's Matthew 18, 15. It says, if your brother or sister sins against, uh, if your brother or sister sins, uh, go to them. And it says just between the two of you. Explicitly, it says that. Just the two of you. Go to them directly. You know, and I, don't, I, I can tell you many times in church life and many times in life life, um, I've been listening to someone tell me some problems. This isn't a pastoral thing, by the way. I'm talking like family people coming and telling me stuff. And I'm like, why don't you go tell that person? You know, sometimes you're in the same room. We just went through the holidays, right? Just they're right there. You know, you can just go tell them yourself. Uh, but when you're in talking to someone who's a Christian or a believer, that's exactly what the Bible says. When a brother or sister sins, go tell them. We've talked about this before at Family Bible Church. We need one another to do this work in our lives. We, we need people to come directly to us and tell us the truth, even whenever it's hard. But then the second place we find it is also in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5. And I think this is always so poignant for worship because it says, if you're worshiping and you realize your brother or sister has something against you, go and be reconciled. Now, usually if someone has something against me, it's because I've done something, right? Um, it's not them. Usually if they have something against me, it's because I've done something or, or at the very least, I've not communicated enough to help them understand where I'm at. And so he says, no, leave your gift, go and be reconciled to them, and then come back and worship me. Well, that's pretty powerful stuff, um, from a God who loves to be worshipped and loves his people to worship him. He's like, are you really worshipping me if you're not willing to go directly and be reconciled to a brother or a sister? A couple of 
of teaching to go um, directly to others. I, can't, I cannot even begin to imagine. I, I just want to take a moment. I can't begin to imagine how the world would change if um, gossip stopped, if, like the Bible said, slander stopped, and if people just went directly and said, I, this is what I think. This is my problem with you. This is a problem that you, you might have with me. I, I uh, have opportunity to do some premarital counseling for young couples getting married. And uh, the longer I'm married, the more I, I laugh when I'm doing these counseling sessions because I only laugh because it's like guilty laughter because I find I do these things in my marriage as well, right? Um, ask a question not, not believing you already know the answer. The longer you're married, you ask a question, you think, I know the answer before they give it. I'm not going to ask the question because I know what the answer is going to be, right? No, how about you go directly and say, this is what I'm experiencing and give, and this can be beyond marriage. It can be a friend, co-worker. Give them the respect to believe that they might have an answer that you haven't guessed, that you might be wrong. They might surprise you. And at the very least, and I've seen this repeatedly in my own life and the lives of others, you're communicating. You're talking and you're listening. You're speaking and you're listening, right? So go directly um, to one another to communicate, um, trusting that they may have something to say. It's, it's really simple. I can't imagine how the world would change if that was the case. I really, I really can't. It'd be a completely different scenario for all of us. All right. And then if you want to turn um, to Ephesians, we're going to do a little work here in Ephesians, our, our, uh, our main verse, 4.15. I love that Paul starts by saying instead, right? I'm going to read a little more. He says, uh, this is about teaching. It's about, you know, uh, doctrine, essentially. You'll no longer be tossed back and forth like infants in the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and the craftiness of men and their evil scheming. But the other thing I want to point out to you is that this idea of elevating conversation, this idea of rising up to a level that is worthy of Christ with our mouths is a building block for equipping the saints for works of service, which is the primary goal of the church, Big C Church, not Family Bible Church. The church is called to equip God's saints for works of service, is what the word says right here in this passage. Um, let's see where that comes. So you, you, I'm not just making this up. Um, Verse 11, well, we'll start in verse 12. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the full measure of the fullness of Christ. And then he goes on, and one of the first things he says is, instead, speaking the truth in love. Like this becomes a principal bedrock for Christian community, a way to be different from the world, Right? And Paul, Paul says here the word instead. It's a choice. It's a different. It's not the default mechanism. Instead of doing those things, speak the truth in love. So the second principle is kind of uh, obvious here, but it's to be honest. To always be honest. I want to talk just for a second about this because, and we've, we've talked about this before, but I continue to see it in my own life and the lives of others that we don't do it well. Um, and you can help me figure this out, right? But we're called to be honest, and, we're call, and that means no lies, right? 
Truth is defined by absence of any falsehood. That's what the Bible says truth is. There's not a lie in it. It's, you know, speaking the truth in love um, means no, no deceit in it. Sometimes we take that to mean I just tell the truth. You want to know the truth? Here's the truth. And we just blast people with the truth. Uh, but that's not, I don't think that's really uh, the full measure of what Scripture is calling us to do. I do think the Scripture is calling us, though, that when we do speak, we only speak truth. Right? Nothing wrong with holding your tongue. But if you're going to say something, it better be honest. better be true. And again, this is a really hard thing, especially when, when you are in relationship with people. Because you don't want to hurt them. You don't want to upset people. You know, and you might see something they need to hear in your life. Paul says, make a decision. And instead of taking this kind of wishy-washy, splashy, childish version of faith, instead, go directly to them and speak the truth in love, right? So we always, always um, tell the truth. Sometimes um, we try to couch our words, right? We try to kind of uh, ease into the conversation, you know what I mean? Instead of just saying, I'm going to say something and this is probably going to be unpleasant, but I love you and I want you to hear it and then say it, you know, and then see how, watch the fireworks go off. <laughs> you know, that's what happens in my life usually. But we try to speak the truth, right? Um, I've become convinced of this, and I want to share this with you, that as followers of Jesus, we have to get comfortable with hard conversations. We have to. We have to get comfortable with having hard conversations with people that we care very much about. Because I've learned in my life that if you don't have a hard conversation now, you're going to have a harder conversation later, or you're going to be out of a relationship. That's what's going to happen. You're either going to have a hard conversation now, you're going to have a harder one later, or the relationship isn't going to exist. You're not going to have to have the conversation anymore. But that's, no, that's, not, that's a loss. That's not a win at all. So we've got to get used to having hard conversations. Some of this is having to get used to having a hard conversation where we don't know the outcome or the answer, but we're going to enter into the conversation anyway, honestly. Honestly with one another. I think that um, this unlocks the door for genuine community, you know, for being real together, speaking the truth in love. All right? So always be honest. Get used to having hard conversations as believers in Jesus. And then the third thing, and, that, and I think that we, this is the addendum which is required, is I always want the best results for the other person. So here's the crazy thing about all this, um, is that when you actually apply this small teaching from Scripture, instead speaking the truth in love, you have to work a lot harder at being intentional in your conversations with people. You can't just spout off. You can't let your tongue just flap in the wind, right? You got to think about what you're going to say. You got to think about how you're going to say it. And you got to think about what the best outcome is for the person you're speaking to. You got to want the best for them. Why would I say that? Because this idea of speaking the truth in love is actually rooted in the love that we have in Jesus. Agape, right? I was digging into this a little bit, right? Getting ready to talk to you guys about it. And I'm like, well, love's a verb, right? We've heard that. Love's an action. Love's a verb. Love's also a noun. <laughs> and this is a noun. In love. 
in that love that we find in Jesus, in that love that the Heavenly Father has given us. There are places in Scripture that says that if you don't know Christ, you've not been given this love. But in that love, we speak the truth. And that has to always want the best outcome for the person we're talking to. And that means that sometimes we will hold our tongue and we'll wait for the moment, and we'll pray over the conversation, and we'll ask for discernment as we speak the words, and we'll ask that they be discerning, they be heard rightly. Oh, Father, would you help them hear this with my intent, that it would not be misunderstood and maligned against your gospel or their good, your good in their life, that it wouldn't set their path on fire, but it would put them on the righteous path of Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Pray over that moment, speaking the truth in love changes everything. Again, I am telling you, not as one who does it awesome. I'm telling you as one who struggles with you, but I want to do it better. I think we all could do it better instead speaking the truth in love. Want the best. Want God's best um, for people. One last thought on, on, on the, wanting the best for others. Many, many times in our conversations, our goal our end goal for the conversation is what's best for us. That's what we really want. We don't want what's best for the other person. You know, um, sometimes when my kids are here, when I talk to them, they know I just want them to agree with me in the end. That's my entire goal of the conversation. Just agree with dad and he'll stop talking about this. But that shouldn't be my goal. My goal should want to see them going where they need to go. You know, your goal with a friend should be to want the best for your friend, not for yourself. Our goal with one another in all of these things and speaking the truth should always be um, a desire for the best for them. Our motivation should be to see them succeed. And, and again, I hope you catch this. All those things I just talked about are the opposite of the evil that comes from man's heart that we heard earlier from Jesus. The self, you know, selfishness, the self-fulfillment, this thievery, adultery, you know, slander. These are all about me. But speaking the truth in love is about others, about wanting to, to do the hard work with Jesus and needing him to do it. So I'm gonna ask a question and I'm gonna ask you to pray and then we're gonna have a final song today. I'm gonna ask you to pray with me. But what... In your life, as you think about this you know, idea, Scripture, what the Scripture said today, what conversations do you need to elevate in your life? What conversations do you need to just do the hard work, spend some time in prayer, and then go have an honest conversation with someone that you really care about? I don't know if you have those. I have them in my life. Those those conversations need to be elevated to honor Christ that it would rise to the level of our Savior Jesus in this life. That would be honoring to him that he's worthy of his name. And the second question as I close is this, um, what motivations do you have to get right in your life? And I don't know, man. I just, I know, and I'm gonna tell you how you, how you do this. You go, if you're, if you're like me, you're like, oh, I'm so jacked up on this deal. I've, I've got this wrong so much, you know, I've, um, and you fill in the blank. I've embittered my children or I've angered my wife or my husband or whatever, you know. I don't even build a way. Where do I even go with this? I'll tell you where you go. You repent of your sin. You repent of it. You turn away from it and you say, God, I don't want that. I want the gift of your Holy Spirit. I want 
to speak the truth in love. I want to do the hard work as a believer in Christ. I want to elevate the conversation, and I mean to not set the world on fire, slash and burn, but to build things up and to make a difference in my life. You repent of your sin, believe the gospel, and ask him to help you in your life. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. I don't know if you're in that spot. I'm going to ask you to pray with me um, as you feel led. Father, today we thank you so much for the truth of your scripture and for the reality that we're called to um, something better than what most of us live in every day. Um, Father, I do pray with my friends that uh, I repent of the sin. I, 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 don't, I don't want to do those things, and uh, I know they don't either. Would you forgive us for our sin? I know you do on the cross. I know you do. You've died to forgive all of our sin. Yet, Father, in this world, we want to be a force for good, and we want to be a blessing to you and a blessing to others. And so would you train us um, to have our motivations checked in all these things we've talked about, whatever it is, in the hearts and minds of those gathered here, that you would help them to achieve this goal in your name. And, Father, I pray that uh, it wouldn't be, okay, I'm really passionate right now about it. I'm really serious, Jesus. I want to do this now, and then I'm going to go out, and then in 45 minutes, I'm going to flip out over something, but that there I make a really a small decision in that moment your Holy Spirit would teach us in those little moments in our lives that we would repent of a sin and we would turn toward Christ and we would use our tongues to honor you and not to curse brothers and sisters, not, not to um, lay waste to our friends. Uh, we ask that the, because you say this matters and you say this is a mark of a disciple is that we would have these kind of mouths um, that would honor you and be a blessing to others. So would you do this work uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit and um, will we have the courage uh, to live out the simple idea from Scripture today? We ask that you would do these things in Jesus' name. Amen.